I believe the best of my knowledge, it was eight years old. I grew up in a little town called Thomasville right down the road. Anybody from Tatertown? Three of you? Y'all should check it out. It's pretty good over there. I ain't gonna lie. I remember being eight years old and uh, some folks across the street from where I grew up, uh, they had died and the kids have gotten the house, whatever. And, and so they were going to do an auction. And I remember going to my parents and saying, hey, can I go across the street to the Fritz's auction? I remember my mom looking at me and said, well, son, in order to go to an auction, you're going to need to have money. <laughs> really? I remember this. I remember having $7. And I said, mom, I got seven bucks. She said, well, not sure we're going to get you, but if you want to go, you can go. So they helped me across the street, make sure I'm getting run over by Holly Grove Road. It's crazy out there. You know, Thomasville is a metropolis. You know that. People come from everywhere to see that place. The big chair, by all means. Bring it. Anyway, uh, I remember going over there and getting to the auction. I'm thinking, man, because, listen, as a child, my brother and I, like, we had been in their buildings before. Like, they, we weren't led into their buildings, but we had been into their buildings before. You know what I'm saying? My kids are in the room, so I'm like, you know, just we just went plundered. And, and I remember being like, dude, it was some cool. For an eight-year-old, there was some really cool stuff. And there was a lot of good stuff in there that you get really hurt on real quick. Old man like to do word, woodwork or whatever. So I remember going my $7 at eight or nine years old. And I remember going over and I watched the crowd and I noticed that everybody had these little things. Anybody know what you're talking about? And they had a number on it. Like whenever somebody like, you know, they're over there like being cool you know, trying to bid on stuff. I'm thinking, well, I need one of those things. Like, I can't just take my $7 and wave at them, can I? They probably would have worked, but anyway. But I remember going to stand in line. They said, well, sir, you have to have a, an ID. I'm like, I live across the street. Is that good enough? They're like, they gave me a number. Hey, I went with it. But I remember the auction was coming to an end, and, and I hadn't bought anything. And, and they were kind of just, you know, pulling out the last-minute junk they're just trying to get rid of. And they call it a lot, and they just throw a bunch of stuff on the table. And like, and, and what, another thing I liked about auctions is this. When that old boy gets the wound tight, kind of like I do, hey, how much gonna handle, handle, huh? Anybody ever been to auction? I love a good auctioneer. Any auctioneers in the house? Somebody told me once that you should have been one. But anyway, I missed my calling on that one. But I remember uh, they were just kept piling stuff on this table, and they pulled out this lawnmower. And I remember a lawnmower. My parents in the house, y'all remember the lawnmower? You remember the lawnmower because I came home with it. Anyway, I remember eight years old. And this unit was old. I'm talking about older than old. I was eight years, but it was old. And if you, rem- if you remember correctly, so this lawnmower had four wheels, which was good, right? But there was one wheel up here. But the second wheel over here was back because the, the grass, it got shot out the front. Y'all know anybody tracking me on that old lawnmower? You're in Wahlberg. I know they had to have mowers like this. Anyway, this thing was old, and the handle was like a two-piece handle, and then it came up, and it teed off. And so, then, and they put a, nobody bid it on it, and so I was like, well, maybe I can get this lawnmower. I got seven bucks, nobody bid. Well, they come out and brought a box of ties, like a hundred ties. I don't know what this old boy did for a living. He printed money or something, but he had a bunch of ties, and, and they put the tie and ties in this mower, and they put it out there and said, all right, we're going to bid on the lot here. And I remember saying, I'll give you seven. And the dude said, sold. You got it. He didn't even auction it off. He's like, that old eight-year-old boy, he get it. And I remember like it happened this morning. Mm. 
I came across that road driving Dodge traffic like I-85, you know what I'm saying, because people were crazy. Anyway, and I remember having that box of tires sitting on that mower just to push in that thing, thinking, and I remember getting home, my mom and dad said, what did you buy? A good lawnmower. She said, does it run? I said, well, I don't know. I bought it for seven bucks. Anyway, well, I think we ended up getting it working. I mowed a couple yards. and what. Well, the thought is this, that my auction experience went to another level with yard sales. Anybody like yard sales in the house? Dang, y'all need to get out. I mean, to, what do y'all do? Y'all work all the time? Listen, yard sales are where it's at. Come on. Especially if you get there towards the end because you know if you've ever had a yard sale, you don't want any of that junk coming back where? In your house. I'll just give it away before I bring it back in the house. But I remember going to yard sales, and I started understanding at a young age the value of a dollar bill. You know what I'm saying? Like, understanding, like, at eight years old, $7 was hard to come by. And so I understood real quickly the value in a dollar. And I tried at a young age to start taking a $1 bill and stretching it to see if I could make 10 out of it. Anybody with me? I, I, got a, I got a nickname early in life. Uh, B Hill was my nickname. I've heard it most of my life. And now that I, if you know me at all, I will not pay full price for anything. But it started at a young age. It was instilled in me. Listen, you can always get a deal on something. You hear me? Dave Ramsey says, that's what he says. He says, you can go into a box store and offer them something and they'll take it. It's true because I've tried it. Best Buy, they'll give you a deal. They want to sell stuff. Anyway, that was by the side of the story. Anyway, but I remember going to a, uh, to a yard sale and like wanting a piece of furniture. But on this piece of furniture, they had the value of it like 200 bucks for it. I'm like, listen, I'll give you 50 for it. Anybody with me? See, the difference between as a young age, I was trying to figure out value and worth. Like, we like to put value on things. Y'all remember the show Hee Haw? I heard some laughs on that. Like, oh. Well, my dad liked to watch that daggum Hee Haw. And I had to sit there and watch it with him. But I remember old girl on there. Y'all remember old girl? Minnie Pearl. <laughs> anyway, uh, Minnie Pearl. What was, what was unique about Minnie Pearl? She had tags on it all, did she? had a value on it all. And that's what we do. We put value on things in life. We'll put a stamp, we'll put a price tag on something. At a yard sale, somebody has an attachment to a piece of furniture. It's only worth 50 bucks, but they think the value, (laughs) it's 200. So this morning, I want us to look at that. Uh, last week, I was sitting on the front row where Scott is, and um, him talking about worth and being worthy of this message. It's not a message that you hear taught on a lot in church. And I think maybe that's some of the reasons why we are where we are in the South. Because we've been told that you're not worthy unless this, this, and this. Unless you do this, this, this. Unless you live this, this, and this. But the message of the gospel There's no strings attached with the message of the gospel. Come on, church. There's no strings attached. He went and died on that cross and spilled his blood once and for all. But for some reason here in the South, if I can just be honest, we like to put him back on that cross. Well, we're not worthy of his death, so we've got to kill him again. 
No. Scripture is very clear. He, de- he died for you once and for all. So this nature, this message of being worthy and worth, I just felt like we needed just to take a, another a stab at it. And if you got your scripture, we're going to jump into Ezekiel 37. And, and he's a prophet and, and God is sharing with him. He's downloading this thing that's about to happen. And you got to understand Ezekiel, he's a prophet. And let me tell you something back in these times. It was not popular to be a prophet. Like we read about Daniel in the lion's den, don't we? Man, what a great story. He got plucked out there without getting killed. But see, see, Daniel ended up dying in, like, in exile. They, these guys were uh, crucified for their faith. Like it was not fun to be a prophet. But you got this guy, Ezekiel, that has this encounter that I think we have to just look a little deeper. We can read over it and all that. Uh, well, I, maybe I believe that, maybe I don't. I just want us to dive into it. So Ezekiel 37, let's just read it right here. It says this. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. This valley was filled with bones, bones everywhere. Verse two, he says, he led me back and forth among them. I don't know what that looks like, but in my mind, like, so there's this valley of all these bones, and it says he uh, led him back and forth. I don't know if he went through, like, kicking the bones, or he walked around it. It didn't really tell us that, but I'm having this middle image of, of, of Ezekiel just walking back and forth, looking at these bones, thinking about the, the despair that was, you know, almost endless. This man of God surrounded by death, all around him by the representation of these bones. See, these bones represented brokenness. Hear me, church. Like there were brokenness all around him. This was called the original Death Valley. This is a place where people died and they threw them away. They put them in this place just to get rid of them. I, if I can just get real for a second, I, I can imagine the dreams that died in that valley. Think about the marriages that died in that valley. How about the ministries that died in that very place? It says Ezekiel went back and forth, seeing these dry bones, these dead bones of individuals laying everywhere. And this is where it gets good. Verse 3. He asked me, God asked Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel said to him, I said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. I believe when we read this, this would be a rhetorical question, right? If God asked you a question, uh, well, sure, God. <laughs> would that be your answer? You're going to shake your head. Would that be your answer? Can these bones live? Well, I don't know. I mean, they are dead. I mean, the sun has dried them out. There is no marrow left in them. They are dead bones. Maybe it wouldn't be as easy to answer that as we think it would. But I believe this. He would not have asked Ezekiel this question if he didn't know he was going to get the right answer. Now, he was a prophet. So he was in tune with what God wanted him to do. I believe it's very clear that the things that we think are impossible, hear me, church, that are possible with him, 
even a valley of dry bones, when God asks the question, can these bones live? My answer will always have to be, you got it, God. I'm going to go with you. Yes, they can. Let's continue. Verse 4 says, Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So how does that hit you? So God told him he would do all this stuff. He would put tendons and put skin and, and put everything back together. Listen, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to shake my head. I'm going to scratch my head. Mm, really? Was that what you would answer? Really? Like all these bones? How do you know which ones go together? Like my arm may be here, but my femur might be way over there. I love this next part. I will attach tendons and make. Let me back. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Verse seven. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise. <laughs> you catch that? Ezekiel, you got to get the you got to get the Ezekiel in the middle of this valley of nothing but bones. He didn't say anybody else was with him, did it? Anybody ever been scared in a dark house before? It's just you and the darkness. So Ezekiel having this encounter with God, God, I yes, I believe you can do it. And then I hear a noise. Be about like in that house that's dark and you hear the door shut. I was sitting in my house the other night and I heard some popping going on and it scared the out of me. I'm just going to be honest. I was like, well, everybody was asleep and I was up watching the game and I was like, and it kept popping. I realized my hardwood floors were popping. I was like, that ain't good. It scared me. But he heard a noise. Can I read a scripture to you? Romans 10, 7 here. Here it is. I love this. This is uh, New Testament going to Old Testament. It says, faith comes by hearing the message. The message by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by, I can only think about why did, why did, why did God allow there to be a noise? And it says, it goes on, it says, there was a noise, a rattling sound. Anybody ever deer hunt? You'd knock those things together. I don't deer hunt, so that's what I was, I saw a video of that. I was like, what are they doing? Calling ruts or something other? I don't know what all, anyway. They were making a sound and, you know, anybody with me? Any hunters in the house? Okay. You don't have to be hunter, hunter, that's okay. But anyway, there was a noise and a rattling sound and the bones came together. Come on, church. The valley of dry bones, they were dead. And he says, hey, Ezekiel, do you think those bones could live? Oh, well, sovereign Lord, you daggum right. With you, anything's possible. Come on, church. That's what I'm talking about. He said there was a noise, a rattling sound. Whew. Why? Maybe to build some faith. 
Maybe to build some faith in him. Because he already told him, he asked him a question. Then he's already asking him to do something. He said, I need you to prophesy. Prophesy, man. call it out in him. Call the future to be now. That's what he already told him to do. And so he did it. And so God maybe gave him a little, gave him a little God wink. Watch this. Because by hearing, faith comes by hearing. And so the sound of these bones come together. And so what in my middle picture is this what's happened. We got, we got a bunch of dry bones that are coming together. What does that look like, church? I'm glad you asked. Welcome to the stage, bones. What does it look like when bones come together? Tendons are formed. Look like a skeleton, huh? It's a good thing he didn't leave them like that. It says he put skin. Listen, guys, I can't pull that out of my hat, okay? I can pull a skeleton out. I don't have any ability to wrap this unit in skin. But he heard a rattling, a sound that encouraged him to continue to do what God was asking him to do. If this was the finished product, would it be a miracle? The answer would be yes, right? Because before his very eyes, he saw bleached by the sun, dry bones, and they came together. To me, guys, I can go home now. What do you think? <laughs> I would have been like, dude, what? I don't know about that. They don't do that in Thomasville every day, you know what I'm saying? You don't get that at the auction. Can I tell you something? Ezekiel was told to, to proclaim the word of God over those dead bones. And that's what he did. And then he prophesied. He prayed. And when he started praying, there was a sound, a rattling sound, dude. Listen, I don't like the sound of rattle when I'm driving my car. But I, by golly, if I'm out in the middle of nothing and God's speaking to me, I want to hear a noise. Come on, church. You want to hear a noise? Let's be a noisy church. Let's be a noisy church, Pastor Scott. Like in this community, let's be a noisy church. Not because how loud we are, it's because how loving we are. What if that's what the community knew Hope City as? They just didn't see bumper stickers or t shirts. They knew that was a noisy church. They love some Jesus. And they believed it. Listen, let me encourage you right here. The Word of God, 1 Corinthians. Uh, 1821 says, for the message of the cross, hear me, church, for the message of the cross is foolish. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. The people who are dying, going to hell, they think we are crazy. Let me tell you something, what offensive, but those who are being saved, it is the power of God. See, it was the power on display. It was the power on display for Ezekiel to see the bones come together. But by golly, I'm glad God didn't leave us there, church. Because listen here, what else happened? It was crazy. Here we go. I don't know where I'm at, but I'm going to figure it out. Uh, skin, This act like there's skin on this unit, all right? Act like there's skin. I don't know. Figure it out yourself. Verse 7 says, so he prophesied as I was commanded. The Lord told him to do it. And he, what did he do, church? He did it. What did he do? He said, I just commanded. I prophesied as the Lord commanded, and as I was prophesying, the noise, rattling sound, the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, tendons and flesh appeared on them, and the skin covered them. 
but there was no breath in them. Hear me, church. Say breath. Breath. Come on. There was no breath in the bones. This was already a miracle. But let me tell you something, church. God finished what he starts. Like this right here would be a miracle, but that was not the end of the story. End of the story here. Verse 9. And then he said to me again, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Ezekiel, prophesy and say to the breath. Hear this. This is what the uh, the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds. O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. Can I get that again? Somebody else say live. So they can live, church. So they can live. So they can live. Not so Ezekiel could get like an accolade. It's so that they could live in the valley of dry bones where there was death and despair and destruction. He says, watch this. Because that's my God. My God is like, I got this one. Hey, marriage. Hey, marriage, you think you're done? My God's got it. I don't care how crappy you've been in your marriage, man, woman, child, I don't care what it is. Let me speak to you for a second. The valley of dry bones can happen. Because he wants to bring life. What he needs to do is be able to, to breathe breath back into it. Maybe you need to get out of the way. Maybe you've been in the way too long, church. In your marriage, said, maybe you've been in, in the way too long. And he just said, man, I'm trying to breathe some breath into you so that you may live. Why you keep keeping me out? Just get out of the way for a minute. He prophesied to him that he may live. This will happen in verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded again. This dude was just had favor of God. He was just obedient to do exactly what God. Listen, if you're in the middle of dry bones and you saw this happen, would you keep going? It's either you're going to keep going because you're going to see what's next or you were scared half to death and you started running. He stayed. So I prophesied as he commanded and breath entered them. They came to life, stood to their feet like a vast army. Listen, if there's thousands of people standing around the valley of dry bones like this, you ain't got no army. Even with skin on. I'm gonna, and I'm going to say this because I have to say it, but I don't mean... I don't mean it to be mean. I really don't. The Big C Church today is filled with a lot of skin and bones. That God is waiting to breathe the breath right into you. There's a lot of churches, including this one, that are represented by the people, need the breath of God to be breathed into them. Because when the breath comes, that's when life comes. See, there's no life here. Even in the miracle of him putting it all back together, until he breathed breath into it and finished it. Hey, marriage, what if you let God today breathe into you? Oh, you hate your spouse. Okay, good. They were dead. These bones? Oh, dear. These bones were dead. That was not planned, and that wasn't in my notes. I can promise you that. Come on. 
Oh, dear. Old Boney came through, didn't he? Oh, Bones. How you doing, Bones? Let's see if his screw works still. Oh, yeah, I'm not touching your arm again. <laughs> anyway, what are you willing to let him speak into today? See, when the Holy Spirit comes into you, when you receive that, things change, church. I'm tired of seeing churches that are powerless. I want this church to be so humble and to be so powerful that this community never knew what hit them because it only comes through the love. Can I tell you something today? You're worthy of Him. You're worthy of restoration. I don't care what you have done. He wants to take the bones in the valley and bring life to them again. How about this? I don't know where I'm at with this thing. I'm going to ask this. This world is putting value on things. Like your value may be, you may, your value to you, your family may be like 10,000 bucks. That's what you got in your bank account. But you know, he says you're so much more worth than that. Like, like you're priceless to me. Like when he breathes into you, like you are his. You are his. And when the Holy Spirit lives with you, when you are his, Nothing this this earth can deny that. I'll tell it to you like this as we close. I love baseball. Played as a as a kid. This is a baseball. If you didn't know, it's a brand new baseball. Its value is six dollars. A major league baseball and in, in major league baseball league. Is worth six dollars. The, the, sorry, the value of it is six dollars. So you can buy them all day long for six dollars. But you know what happens when the right person signs the baseball? The worth of it changes. Major League Baseball, they go through 900,000 baseballs in a season That's $6 a piece. You do the math. Like, I need to be in the baseball-making business. 5.5 million, roughly. And they're all valued at $6. Until the right signature is on it. You can keep that. My signature's on that. That ball is officially now worth $5. (laughs) You know when the worth of a baseball changes? Just a normal baseball. They said they waste more baseballs in a season than not. When the value of $6 changes to its worth is by who's pitching it or who's hitting it.
And possibly who's catching it. But this baseball has got a different signature on it. If you're a baseball fan, this has got Ted Williams' name on it. So this baseball is worth a little more than my signature on that $6 baseball. Matter of fact, it's worth a lot more. But it's still, the value of it is still $6. But the signature on it is what gives its worth. So church, this morning, this world is giving you your value. But the Lord wants to put his signature on you and to give you your worth. I don't give a rip how bad you think you've been or what you've done. Listen, standing before you now is probably the worst one in the room outside of God's grace. Aren't you glad for that? Boy, I will be saying, I am grateful for the grace of the good Lord. Come on. But when he signs, he puts his signature on you, that's when you get your worth. See, Ezekiel got it. He just kept doing what God asked him to do. Yeah, I'll do that, God. (laughs) Yeah, I'll do that. And before him set an army of alive folks that were once dead. Today in this room, there's some folks that are walking around like zombies. You might as well be dead. But can I tell you today, he's got so much more for you. You're worth your worth is out of the park the Cubs won the World Series this year I've been a Cubs fan since I was about 6 we had WGN in the house so I didn't like the Braves and so I started liking the Cubs about 31 years ago it has been a long 100 plus years 108 and when that baseball the last one was caught for the out that was a $6 valued baseball when they did their, their, uh, their parade, Anthony Rizzo gave that to Mr. Ricketts, the owner. He gave him the baseball. It had already been appraised at well over a million dollars. Can I tell you that? That's, that's no big deal. Because my God, he's the one giving out the worth today. He wants to sign on you.